Turn your Bibles to Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. Colossians chapter 2 and verse 8. says, see to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty deception, according to the tradition of men, according to the elementary principles of the world, rather than according to Christ. Let me pray. Lord God, we ask for your help as we study this important topic and seek to discern be discerning under the authority of the truth of your word. So, Lord, guide us in your truth this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So, we are at about the 10-year anniversary of the death of Trayvon Martin. Perhaps you remember that some 10 years ago in Florida where a guy by the name of George Zimmerman Um, saw what he thought was some suspicious activity, called uh, the police, and uh, ended up engaging Trayvon Martin in the midst of a scuffle. Um, Trayvon Martin ended up dead. He was 17 years old at the time. And this was uh, the beginnings, actually, after the outcome, the verdict that acquitted George Zimmerman of murder charges, you remember um, that was the beginnings of Black Lives Matter. And you remember how it was propagated by the media outlets as a matter of racial issues, which was kind of interesting because uh, George Zimmerman was half Hispanic, half Caucasian, um, but it was immediately portrayed as a racial issue. And in, in, in all these, actually, if you trace all the different instances, whether it's George Floyd or whether it's uh, um, Michael Brown in Ferguson, um, there's never any kind of investigation of whether this police officer or these police officers had uh, racist Facebook posts, Twitter posts, There's never any kind of digging into their background to discern is this person, uh, you know, part of a, you know, some kind of racist organization or part of a secret Ku Klux Klan organization. But it's just assumed it's racial. And all that really is because of the backdrop of when you adopt and embrace the critical race theory, everything is viewed through the lens of race. Everything. Everything. But as Christians, we need to be discerning. It doesn't mean that there's not real racism, or as I, I, I have contended, will contend for, probably a better biblical term is ethnic partiality. Um, there is real ethnic partiality. There's hatred in people's hearts it's, you know, that, that goes back... Uh, as old as man is, right? 
Um, there's pride and can be self-righteousness and looking down with disdain upon another people group or another person because they're a different skin color, different culture than yourselves. Of course, that happens in a fallen world. But, 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 uh, but this business of critical race theory uh, is really not even addressing that. Um, it's, it's viewing the world through the lens of oppressor and the oppressed. It's, it's really coming, as we saw last week, from the backdrop of Marxism ideologies. Um, in Colossians 2.8, the verse we read earlier, it says, See to it that no one takes you captive through philosophy and empty decep- deception according to the tradition of men rather than, at the end, rather than according to Christ, that there is a philosophy that is according to Christ, but there is also a philosophy that is according to the world. And Paul exhorts the Colossians, he says, don't be duped by the philosophy that is according to this world, according to the traditions of men. Instead, you need to hold fast to that philosophy that is according to Christ. And Philosophy is, is, is the idea of, of a worldview, a belief system, what you believe about man, what you believe about sin, what you believe about God, what you believe about history, what you even believe about the end times. And so uh, we're going to try to discern what the Bible teaches about man and contrasting that with CRT's view of man um, this, uh, I have, uh, I believe, in your handouts there from Article 2 in the Dallas Statement. The Dallas Statement came forth uh, in 2018. It's just a, a document where a handful of church leaders gathered together, um, and they came out with different statements affirming what the Bible says and, the, and then denying what so much of, of what's in our culture is saying. And part of the reason for this is because so much of the church is being duped by these philosophies according to the world. So in Article 2, it says, We affirm that God created every person equally in his own image. As divine image bearers, all people have inestimable value and dignity before God and deserve honor, respect, and protection. Everyone has been created by God and for God. So this is foundational. This is what the Bible teaches. We, humanity, are image bearers. We are created in God's image, and that's what gives us dignity. And this is very important. This is what we're going to see this morning. It also gives us commonality, okay? It gives us commonality with every other image bearer. Commonality that... that, uh, we may have different skin colors. We may have different cultures. We may have different backgrounds. But if you are a human being, you are made in the image of God. We are all, as we're going to see later, related in that sense. But then we deny that God-given roles, socioeconomic status, your income, your wealth, ethnicity, religion, sex, or physical condition, or any other property of a person either negates or contributes to that individual's worth as an image bearer of God. 
And so you can see with this denial, it's denying what really so much of what CRT is propagating, namely the most important thing about you is your skin color. Or the worst thing about you is your skin color. Or the most important thing about you is your quote-unquote sexual orientation. And so that's the affirmations and denials from the Dallas Statement. So let's look and think through what, what the Bible and what CRT, its beliefs about man uh, first of all, Christianity teaches the dignity of humanity. And I'm going to contend that CRT dehumanizes and divides humanity. It dehumanizes and divides humanity. And we, we started to touch on this last time. And one of the ways in which CRT does this is through its intersectionality grid. Okay. Uh, Vody Bauckham, I'll just re- I quoted this last week, but in his book Fault Lines, he says, put simply, intersectionality is about the multiple layers of oppression minorities suffer. For instance, if a black person has one layer of op- a, a black person has one layer of op- oppression, a black woman has two layers of oppression, a black lesbian woman has three. So it's like different ticks boxes that you can tick, you know, that, that you have this layer of oppression, and, and the more you can tick off, then the more oppressed you are. He goes on to say the Encyclopedia of Diversity and Social Justice offers a help, helpful summary. Our experiences of the social world are shaped by our ethnicity, race, social class, gender identity, sexual orientation, and numerous other facets of social stratification. Some social locations afford privilege, i.e. being white, while others are oppressive, namely being poor. Each, uh, I'm sorry, these various aspects of social inequality do not operate independently of, of each other. They interact to create interrelated systems of oppression and domination. The concept of intersectionality refers to how these various aspects of social location intersect to mutually constitute individuals' lived experiences. So, so basically what you have with intersectionality is pigeonholing persons into particular groups, okay? Particular oppressed or oppressor groups. And, and really, you can see here that the backdrop of this is the, the Marxist ideology of collectivism. Collectivism. Maybe, maybe you haven't heard that term, but, but it comes out of classical Marxism where you have the collective group of the rich and then you have the collective group of the poor. And the rich is always oppressing the poor. Well, cultural Marxism takes that uh, another step and then divides it into not only the the collective group of the rich and the poor, but the collective group of the the white and the black, the uh, the hetero and the homo. Um, it, it, it divides into the male and the female. And so by its very nature, collectivism divides humanity. 
It divides humanity and, and classes different groups of people. You're this, you're that, you're this, you're that. And this, this kind of division, you know, and this is just by way of example, that's why they'll talk about the gay community or the black community um, as if every gay person had exactly the same beliefs, right? As if every black person had exactly the same beliefs, as if every heterosexual had exactly the same beliefs. And, and even when you, you know, and often, you know, it's, you know, again, the terms are white, white privilege, the white community. And, you know, even when you start to actually break down some of the statistics, it's interesting, amongst Caucasian people, you know, uh, about 25% identify as Republicans, 30% as Democrats, another 30% consider themselves independent. Not a very homogeneous group, right? Uh, same thing religiously, you know, good it's almost broken down into thirds as far as, uh, you know, uh, Catholic, mainline Protestant, evangelical, broken up into in thirds. And, and, and so this notion that, that you can, based off of these particular collective groups, you can, you can uh, identify people. And, and obviously, again, this then becomes... Uh, the, the idea is that this is to become a person's main belief about themselves. I am a white person. I am a black person. I am a homosexual. I am fill in the blank. Um, and, and what this tends to create, it's because we can actually look at modern history and see the end result of this. The end result of collectivism, and it's kind of competing partner, is individualism. Individualism that has been propagated in free Western societies, that we are individuals with individual responsibility, individual freedoms that have been given by God. Collectivism leads to tribalism. Us them mentality. You want some examples of collectivism leading to tribalism? Look at the smokestacks of Nazi Germany incinerating Jewish people with an attempt to create a superior race of people. Look at the Russian gulags. Look at the killing fields. I mean, this doesn't lead anywhere good, okay? It only leads to viewing us and them, and they are inferior. The irony here is this, this kind of collectivism winds up, as you can see, as we've observed in the past couple of years, it actually leads to more ethnic partiality, more racism, more division, more hatred, more jealousy, more grievance against one another. And I think the seduction of this, the seduction of this often comes with 
We all know what it feels like to be lonely or even to be mistreated. Um, we all see, uh, as one, one person, Thaddeus Williams, says, we all see a proxy card to the top floor offices, a passport into a better country, a password into the hippest speakeasy, some, some place to feel important, to feel included, to ease our pain. Social justice seeks to meet these needs by dividing humans into groups, the oppressed and the oppressors. Your skin tone, your gender, your economic or social status may grant you a warm welcome into the virtuous group, which, which will take you seriously, pat you on the back, and hand you a drink. That's some of the, the seduction of it. Okay, but I want to contend under letter A there that you are united to all humans because you are related. Turn back to Genesis chapter 1, and this is where... Christianity offers a far superior view of humanity because it's true. This is how God made us. This is how God designed us. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27. It's probably on page 1 in your Bible. Genesis chapter 1 and verse 27 it says, God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. God blessed them and God said, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and rule over the fish of the sea and over the birds of the sky and over every living thing that moves on the earth. And so here we have in Genesis 1, 27, 28, this staggering statement that God has made man in his own image. And this, again, gives man dignity. This gives man a kind of relatedness to one another. And this is, he says, be fruitful and multiply so that every human being on planet Earth is related to Adam, has come from Adam and Eve. And then we could even further tease that out if you look at... Uh, Genesis chapter 9, verse 1, after the flood, there's Noah and his three sons. And this command is reiterated in 9.1. It says, and God blessed Noah and his sons and said to them, and said to them, be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth. And so God created man and he told man to fill the earth, to procreate, to reproduce and so we are all related. And this, this is what distinguishes us from the animal world. And this, this by the way, you know, because CRT is really a, a secular ideology, it's often, as we're going to see, coupled with uh, uh, evolutionary ideology as well. You can easily challenge people on what, what, what distinguishes us from an animal. Why don't we arrest cats when they kill birds you know why why you know why do we uh you know why is it okay for me to microwave chicken but not to microwave my child um yeah it's grotesque christianity has an answer for that has a foundation that says we are made in the image of god animals are not animals have been given after you know uh, the flood 
for the eating uh, of humanity as part of the exercise of that dominion over the creation. And so this is, you know, again, it's, it's grotesque, but once you, once you abandon Christianity, what distinction can you make between us and the animal world? Well, you know, someone would say, well, you know, um, you know, I, 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 I don't eat animals, you know, um, because they're basically the same as humans. And some people try to be consistent with that. Well, usually at that point, I say, well, what about carrots? What about the rights of carrots, you know? Or how about this? What about the rights of oxygen molecules? You should stop breathing because every time you breathe, you you kill one of those oxygen molecules. You're, You're a murderer. How dare you breathe? Hold your breath. Again, the, the, the level of, of absurdity, if you actually tease it out, but again, and, and this is where we want to say, you know, come, come over to Christianity. We have a proper view that distinguishes human beings made in the image of God from the rest of creation, which we can responsibly use and exercise dominion over. Your worldview can't account for it. Your belief system can't account for these differences. And so it's interesting when you look at... Now, as I mentioned earlier, ethnic partiality is as old as Genesis 3 is. Uh, I, maybe I should clarify that. As old as, as we'll see, Gen, uh, Genesis 11, uh, after the Tower of Babel, when they start dividing. But in the world today... Darwinism has done much to propagate and increase racism. Even evolutionist Stephen Jay Gould says biological arguments for racism have been have been common before 1859, but they increased by order of magnitude following the acceptance of evolutionary theory. For instance, if you think of Darwin's origin of the species, which I think it was, it was in the 1850s that he published that, um, the full title of Origin of the Species is On Origin of the Species by Means of Natural Selection or the Preservation of Favored Races in the struggle for life. The preservation of favored races in the struggle for life. But it's actually in his second book, The Descent of Man, that he actually, it, it actually becomes more clear. Put the slide up on the, the quote from The Descent of Man. At some future period, not very distant, as measured By centuries, the civilized races of man will almost certainly exterminate and replace the savage races throughout the world. At the same time, the anthropomorphous apes will will no doubt be exterminated. The break between man and his nearest allies will then be wider, for it will intervene between man and a more civilized state, as we may hope, even than the Caucasian. And some ape as low as 
a baboon instead of as now between the Negro or the Australian Aborigine and the gorilla. So you can see that uh, in Darwin's Descent of Man, here's these ideologies of separating humanity with different races, right? And seeing some races as superior because if there's this belief that, you know, we descended from apes, and here's Darwin's belief that people of darker skin color are, were closer to the apes and the, the aborigines and the Africans, you, you can see where this leads and where it has led. There's a tragic story of Ota Benga. He was born in 1881 in Central Africa as a member of the Mabuti people, where he grew strong and keen in the ways of the wilderness. He was the husband of one wife and the father of two. He returned one day from a successful elephant hunt to find that the camp he called home had ceased to exist. His wife, children, and friends lay slaughtered, their bodies mutilated in a campaign of terror by the Belgian government's thugs against the, quote, evolutionary inferior natives. Otabanga was captured, taken to a village, and sold into slavery. He was kept in a Bronx zoo with an orangutan in 1906. How awful, how wicked. And of course, Darwin's ideas, some of its fruit was what was called Malthusian eugenics. The idea that uh, through, you know, you, from, from the Greek, meaning good, genetics, genes, good genes, that through, uh, you know, through eugenics, you could create the superior race. And, and of course, it was Hitler who was applying social eugenics to try to exterminate what he believed were inferior races. It's the same thing with uh, Margaret Sanger, the, the founder of the um, the uh, Birth Control League uh, became known as Planned Parenthood. Um, she was the founder of what was called the Negro Project uh, to sterilize African Americans. She considered them like weeds to be exterminated. These are all wicked things that are the product of evolutionary ideology. To quote Answers in Genesis, they say, This may seem surprising to many. In fact, race as a term is steeped in evolutionary propaganda as people have historically attempted to elevate some groups of people with common traits um, as better, smarter, or more capable than others. But there's no scientific basis for race. Across the globe, 99.9% of human DNA is exactly the same. There's little measurable genetic difference between the so-called races of blacks, whites, or Hispanics. Even the staunch evolutionist Bill Nye agrees. He says, quote, we're all the same. From a scientific standpoint, there's no such thing as race. Nye may be wrong about many things, 
but he is right about race. Scientifically, races do not exist. And even when it comes to things, some of these traits like skin color. I mean, we're all basically the same skin color. We're all brown. It's just different shades of brown. And that's determined on the basis of the amount of melanin that a person has. And so this notion of dividing up humanity on the basis of skin color or or these different categories is, is contrary to the biblical idea. We are human beings made in the image of God, and there is a commonality that exists between us. So that it's, it's better, I think, when we think of some of the differences, that, that these differences are more ethnic or cultural differences. And the, the Bible gives some measure of explanation of, of how these ethnic differences have come about. If you turn to Genesis chapter 11... Genesis 11, verse 1, it says, Now the whole earth used the same language and the same words. It came about as they journeyed east that they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. They said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they used bricks for stone, and they used tar for mortar. They said, come, let us build for ourselves a city and a tower whose top will reach into into heaven. Let us make for ourselves a name. Otherwise, we will be scattered abroad over the face of the whole earth. The Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the sons of men had built. And by the way, this tower was probably a a kind of a, a ziggurat, a kind of a temple, a kind of a way of ascending to God like uh, like like we have seen historically through different religious groups and paganism. Verse 6, the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they all have the same language. This is what they began to do, and now nothing which they purpose will be impossible for them. Come, let us go down and there confuse their language so that they will not understand one another's speech. So the Lord scattered them abroad from there over the face of the whole earth, and they stopped building the city. Therefore, it was, uh, its name was called Babel, because there the Lord confused the language of the whole earth. From there, the Lord scattered them abroad over the face of the whole earth. And so we can see God in his judgment dividing humanity into different uh, different language groups. And you can probably assume that because of that separation of humanity in the different language groups, that, uh, that, that there would be a, a divvying off of, of even some of the, those small genetic characteristics that, that, you know, just, you know, for Asians, maybe a little bit more fat around the eyes, which makes the eyes look a little bit smaller, certain skin shades, etc. And, and, and as humanity was divided in different ethnicities, there, you know, quite naturally, there's different uh, kinds of culture and beliefs that come about. And, and even, you know, as some of these groups 
you know, uh, um, if they rejected the covenant God of Abraham and to various religions and practices and, and those kinds of things. So it's better to understand that these differences are more ethnic and cultural. And again, even, you know, this is where the, you know, the, the CRT breakdown is so silly because, again, even amongst Caucasian people, there's such variety of culture and ethnicity, right? You know, from... Italian to Irish, you know, it, it varies. And then again, you break down certain things religiously, you know, Roman Catholic, uh, Protestant, Bible-believing, evangelical. There, there's going to be differences culturally, food differences, traditions. And, and, you know, and so many of these things, you know, are, you know, are really matters of preference, style, you know, not necessarily matters of righteousness, uh, but, but different ethnicities, but, but there's still a commonality that exists despite the diversity. Acts chapter 17, verse 24 through 26, the Apostle Paul is preaching before the Areopagus, a group of unbelievers, and it's in this context that he declares who God is and In Acts 17, 24, he says, The God who made the world and all things in it, since he is Lord of heaven and earth and does not dwell in temples made with hands, nor is he served by human hands as though he needed anything, since he himself gives to all people life and breath and all things. And he made, and this is very important, he made from one man every nation of mankind to live on the face of the earth, having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. And so what do we see here at the, the end of verse 25 here that he made from one man... I'm sorry, verse 26, he made from one man every nation of mankind. Again, we are all related. We're all related. Now, some are more nearly related than others. That's why God gives commands against incest and things like that. But we're all related. From one man, every nation of mankind to live on the earth. But then also you can see the different ethnicities, the different nations having determined their appointed times and the boundaries of their habitation. This is, this is all part of God's design, part of God's plan. And so, again, this is... What, we, what you believe about yourself matters and what you believe about others matters. If you're being indoctrinated in the idea that what's most important about you is your skin color, what's most important about you is your ethnicity, what's most important about you is fill in the blank, your sexual orientation, it's going to affect the way you think about yourself and the way you think about others. If we're thinking biblically, 
that every other human being is an image bearer, a fallen image bearer to be sure, but an image bearer whom I am related to, now all of a sudden that changes things, right? Now all of a sudden this is, this is another human being made in the image of God. And then, of course, the identity of the believer, even that much more, you know, we are in Christ, right? Justified, adopted as a child of God. And, and, and while it doesn't mean that, you know, we have to just erase some of those ethnic distinctions or, you know, disavow our ethnic heritage. No, no, we can, we can enjoy that. We can even celebrate that. But that shouldn't be a chief point of division between us and our fellow human beings, our fellow image bearers. Letter C, your family structures are given by a good God. And this is, this is again, hugely important. Uh, turn, turn to Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 to 26. It's a familiar section of scripture. It says, wives be subject to your own husbands as to the Lord. For the husband is the head of the wife, as Christ also is the head of the church, he himself being the savior of the body. But as the church is subject to Christ, so also wives ought to be to their own husbands in everything. Husbands, love your wives just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself up for her, so that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word. So we see the, the, the distinctive roles that God has given to Husbands and wives in the context of the family. Drop your eyes down to chapter 6 and verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, for this is the first commandment with a promise, so that it may be well with you, that you may live long on the earth. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up into discipline and instruction of the Lord. We see over and over in Scripture the importance of the family. Is the family is designed by God. We saw it in Genesis 1, 27, 28. Be fruitful and multiply. We saw it in, in Genesis 9, 1. Be fruitful and multiply. You, you need a husband and a wife to be fruitful and multiply. You know, not, not to get too graphic on you. And husband and wife produce children. It's called a family. This is the most basic unit of civilization. And this is part of God's good design for the restraint of evil in this fallen world. To have parents who care for you, love you, can keep you from being a doofus. To help you not make stupid decisions. To help you learn how to respect authority, which is inevitable in this world. God's the designer. There's always going to be somebody in charge. Yet, CRT and its Marxist heritage 
wants to obliterate the family. Marxism and its communist fruit has always seen the family as an enemy. Why? Because of what's called statism. The desire for the state to be the ultimate authority. So you can't have parents teaching and instructing their children views that are contrary to the state. Intersectional worldview denies that there is a such thing as a created order claiming claiming what Scripture teaches that God and every person, either male, either man or woman, has been made for his glory and for our joy. Is seeing this all this stuff about family, husband, wife, father in the home. This is all seen as oppressive. This is seen as oppressive. This is cisgendered heteronormativity that needs to be obliterated. Friends, this stuff is straight up demonic. Listen from the website of Black Lives Matter. And this, by the way, has since been scrubbed. Even BLM tries to get a little bit more seeker sensitive. But it was there, I promise you. I'm sure you can find it archived on their website. And they got religion as well. You can go on there and see them doing seances. You know, they they tried to make themselves a little bit more friendly. They're calling up their dead ancestors. But anyways, let me read about what they say about the family. We disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Did you get some of that language there? You know, it, it takes a village to raise a child. You know, all of a sudden, it, you know, it, it's more about the village raising our children. And you can also see, you can, maybe this is another reason why they scrubbed it, because they talked about mothers, you know. It, that's, that's very anti-trans. Also, this involves transgender activism. On, from their website, it said, we are committed to doing the work required to dismantle cisgendered privilege and uplift black trans folk. We are committed to embracing and making space for trans brothers and sisters to participate and lead. It also includes whole-scale approval of queerness. We are committed to fostering a queer-affirming network. We gather. When we gather, we do so with the intention of freeing ourselves from the tight grip of heteronormative thinking, or rather, the belief that all in the world are heterosexual unless he or she or they disclose otherwise. And the movement could not have been more clear in days past about its radical ambitions. Quote, justice as imagined by its organizers is not only about ending anti-black racism. Visions of true justice must include freedom for black people who are queer, transgender, formerly or presently incarcerated, undocumented, or facing any number of other challenges. So that's their manifesto. But for biblical Christianity, we have 
the truth. We don't need to pit one another against each other. We don't need to undo God's ordained family structures. But when you abandon Christianity, you have no real reason for believing any of those God-ordained family structures. It just becomes a social construct, you know? So you could have two dads, three moms. It's not, it's just indifferent. What's really important is the collective, the community. But in Christ, we have something far superior. Colossians 1, 21, 22 says, although you were formerly alienated, hostile in mind, engaged in evil deeds, so that while we are humans related to Adam, in Adam, related to one another, we are a fallen race. But wonder of wonders, God makes his people into a new race. Yet he has reconciled us in his fleshly body through death in order to present you holy and blameless and beyond reproach. So that God in the wonder of his grace reconciles us rebels to himself and makes us part of his family. A family that's been reconciled to him. And, and so if there's any division in this world, that's the ultimate separation, whether you are part of Christ's family or not part of his family. Well, we're going to stop at this point. We'll let the, the teens segregate themselves. <laughs> um, and, uh, and I thought I would open up for the rest of, of you guys if you have any questions uh, related to the, the content that we covered this morning or in general related to CRT. Uh, Karen. Please. On the second page, um, under transgender activism, what does cisgender mean? Yes, yeah, cisgender is, is, is basically the idea of, of, of somebody who's heterosexual, not homosexual, not transgendered. Yeah. yeah it's a whole new vocabulary. Any other questions, comments? Uh, yeah. Could you describe what the difference between uh, in the first paragraph on the second page talking about their um, extended families and villages? Doesn't the church as a whole consider themselves as a family and care for one another and the children? Right, right. So that's a bum. Where, where's it at in the notes? The, we disrupt the Western Crypt describe nuclear family structure requirement by supporting each other as extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. Right, right. So John's question is related to, um, uh, to the first bullet point there in the notes about we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family by supporting each other, extended families and villages that collectively care for one another, especially our children, to the degree that mothers, parents, and children are comfortable. And then John brought up the good question about, like, what about the church family? And obviously, you know, the, the church family is important, but, but what you have to see here, notice, first of all, disrupting the Western prescribed nuclear family. So, so it's, it's about obliterating the nuclear family to this new family, this village. Um, 
which actually winds up being the state. Um, it's, it's, it's the state that raises you. It's the state that's your mother. Um, and, uh, and so obviously as, as Christians, we would, you know, uh, going back to a, a previous talk I gave on sphere sovereignty, you know, where you have, you have the family unit and God gives authority structure in the family unit with fathers, uh, mothers, husbands, wives. And then you have the um, church family, the bigger family, um, you know, with authority structure there with pastors, elders, congregation. And then even when it comes to, you know, uh, the civil authority of governing authority of citizens, um, and you could even relate that as well to work situations, work authority. So you have these different spheres, and um, y- you know, it's it's it is uh, never a good thing to undo either of those. I mean, it, you know, as much as we may be critical of the civil authorities. Uh, some authority is better than no authority. You know, anarchy is the worst kind of situation you can encounter. Same thing to obliterate, you know, the, um, you know, the 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 nuclear family and the 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 order there. So, so y- yes, there is a, you know there is something to be said for uh, the church family, the support that we can get there, but not to replace the you know, the most basic family unit of, of parents and children. Um, there's one more thing I was going to say on that. Um, yeah, so not to the obliteration of. Go ahead, Kevin. One thing that stood out for me is it said, especially our children. Yeah. Like only a black child matters. <clears throat> Everybody else doesn't matter. And the church doesn't do that. Mm-hmm. You don't matter if you're part of this church or blood brothers, it doesn't matter. You matter. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Any other questions? Did that answer your question, John? Yeah, but I mean, taking out the we disrupt the Western prescribed nuclear family structure, and everything after the buy seems something that would be synonymous with what we believe and what we think, supporting each other. And when we even the part where that Kevin was saying about our children, when we. Uh, collectively talk there a lot of times we say we have a lot of children in our church sure. you know yeah no I, I don't deny that at all and, and and that's where you could see it 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 does become a competing belief system with christianity you know because they're they have their community with their beliefs about right and wrong their in a sense way of salvation even their own eschatology their own utopian society that they're 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 aiming towards where you know where there are no prisons where there is no um, you know there there is no inequality as it's defined by them um, so yeah definitely it's you know if we took that and said to you know for the church yeah amen except that's not what they're saying Paul.
Yeah, if, if you didn't hear Paul's question, it was just related to how, you know, th there's always going to be somebody in charge in the village. Um, and yet there's this notion that everybody has to be equal. And this is, this is the, the obvious uh, contradiction. In, it's, a it's, it's a kind of delusion for them, really. Uh, I think it was Milton Friedman who said... Um, those who elevate equality above freedom will wind up with neither freedom nor equality. And, and I mean, all you have to do is read the history of the, the 20th century, right? You know, 170 million people murdered by whom? Their own governments. Somebody was in charge. <laughs> Somebody was ruling with an iron fist. Um, it didn't lead to equality, did it? And it didn't lead to any freedom. Um, and so when you elevate equality above freedom, and, and, and again, their view of equality is equality of outcome, not equality of opportunity. Equality of outcome. It has to be exactly the same across the board. Everybody has to be equal. It's, it's a delusion. It's not possible. It's, it's, it's silliness. Um, but in the process, you do lose freedom. And somebody's going to be in charge, to your point, and it, and it gets bloody. It's, it's an ugly thing. Um, yeah. Ken? A quote from Orwell's Animals from the Bolshevik Revolution. Uh, all animals are equal. Some animals are more equal. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Ken's quote from uh, Animal Farm. All animals are equal. Some animals are more equal than others. Um, Devin? Yeah, Devin's point is just the importance of defining terms, um, you know, when you're talking about, you know, uh, again, even the village or our children. What do you mean by that? And it's so important because, again, you know, they, they, they're, they're propagating a, a moral claim here. They're, they're defining what's right and what's wrong. They're, they're asserting this. And we just need to discern, is, are we talking about the same thing here? And, and again, this is why one of the reasons why I think, uh, you know, Christians can be easily duped into this. Because, again, who would be against justice? You know, who would be against anti-racism? <laughs> who would be against black lives mattering? I mean, no, you know, again, if you take these terms at their face value, but when you start to really understand what these terms mean... There's a lot of rotten cheese in that enchilada, and uh, you know you, you're not going to be able to pull out all that rotten cheese. You just need to 
take it to the trash can. Um, Barb? Yeah, uh, Barb's question was related to the answers in Genesis uh, when we talked about all of us having the same skin color but different shades. We're all brown. We, uh, it, it's melanin. Um, I think it's M-E-L-A-N-I-N, perhaps. Close enough. Um, uh, you know, that's, that's what determines... You know, and even the, the amount of, you know, just adipose tissue around the eyes, you know... Um, you know, when it, when it comes to Asian folks who, you know, you know, again, we may think, oh, they're so much different. Well, it's just, just a little bit more fat around the eyes. No, they're, they're humans just like us, you know. But again, there may be different ethnic, cultural things, different food preferences, all that language differences. Um, and these are, this is part of the diversity. And, and even, you know, that's one of the beautiful things when you, you know, you read uh, Revelation 5, 9, that Jesus dies, shed his blood for people from every tongue, tribe, and nation. And it, and it really is part of the beauty of the body of Christ um, that in the midst of unity, we can have diversity. Uh, one of the great joys of my life, and we'll, we'll talk about this in future lessons, but... Um, uh, one of the great joys of my life uh, was leading a Bible study out in Los Angeles where we had a guy from Iran, a Jewish guy, a guy from El Salvador, a guy from Mexico, a guy from Armenia, uh, another guy from Russia. Yeah, I mean, it, <laughs> it was, you know, we were, we were all brothers in the Lord, um, with such radically different backgrounds that on a, you know you know the the Iranian and the Jew wh- what other context could you bring these two guys together as brothers impossible impossible apart from Christ but because there was an identity that transcended their differences uh there was unity and and again you know that's what I'm contending for Christianity uh, the, the identity of us as image bearers helps us to see the commonality that we have with other image bearers, despite the real diversity that we may have. Any other last questions, comments? All right, let me pray, and you're dismissed. Lord God, we thank you for the truth of your word. It corrects our thinking. Lord, help us not to be taken captive by these deceptive beliefs, but to anchor ourselves close to the truth of your word. In Jesus' name, amen.